And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello. Well, gentlemen, it's nice to have you all here in the studio with us again. And uh, today we have an interesting discussion that's lined up, and it's concerning church discipline, a subject that we've never broached before on this particular program. You know, we talked about the church, the importance of the church, and um, it's the bride of Christ. We've talked some about worship various things. I I don't think we've ever touched upon church discipline, maybe just in passing when we were describing what the church does. I think Mm we mentioned that Mm -hmm. uh, that's part of what it does. But today we want to talk about church discipline. It's a a very important subject, but let me ask John Vance, why is that important? Why is this important to us? Uh, Church discipline... uh I might start out with a historical uh, reference, was debated uh, at the time of the Reformation as to whether it was uh, essential to what a church is. And uh, Luther, Martin Luther, uh, said that uh, what made a church the church was that uh, the correct preaching of the gospel, uh, preaching of the gospel and, and the correct administration of the sacraments. And probably Calvin agreed with that. But in Calvinistic circles, though, maybe not necessarily Calvin, they also included church discipline. Certainly the Puritans did. It was mm-hmm. essential to the welfare of the church. And and uh, it's clear in Scripture, in two or three places, uh, that discipline is part of what the church does. It disciplines its own members. And we do it for a number of reasons, uh, certainly for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has to be... Uh, paramount. It's his glory, uh, and if he has commanded it, it would be to his glory to maintain and keep uh, the discipline of the church. And secondly, we do it for the purity of the church. The church is a brotherhood and a sisterhood, if you will, Mm -hmm. and we're bound together in covenant with covenant signs of baptism and and, uh, the ability to come to the Lord's table and so, therefore, it requires that uh, the church practice discipline over its members, but also discipline is practiced for pastoral reasons, uh, to reclaim someone who has fallen mm-hmm. uh, or who's gravely sinned and, and like King David, uh, needs to be rebuked and brought around to uh, repentance and uh, renewed faith. So, discipline... Uh, happens to be for those ends, and it's a glorious end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to add one to that, and I know this is main, maybe not the traditional one, but it's also for the education of the people in the church. I have uh, been in situations where I've counseled people who have actually been, if you will, living in sin. In counseling that individual, they had been in a, two different churches, two different churches that had never uh, practiced church discipline. And this individual had no idea that what he had done was wrong or it was sinful. And I lay that to the problem with the failure of churches to discipline. Mm -hmm. Because they don't discipline, people don't realize things that are sin. Do you think that uh, Mm -hmm. some of the people that are outside the church today look at the church and almost uh, wish for the church to correct its own problems and in that they tend to despise the church um, precisely because the church is so uh, worldly or 
money oriented or or allows uh, cases like this to continue like the like the first corinthians case yeah exactly right i i think the world sometimes looks at the church and when they see sin going undisciplined within the church it's another reason for them to call the churches hypocritical yeah yeah uh, one of the criticisms that i constantly hear uh would be directed at politicians who who are prominent in their churches and profess mm-hmm. faith and a tradition, and yet uh, act contrary to the tradition and faith of that church, and yet are never disciplined. Right. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's spe- a bad testimony to the world. Specifically, um, what what would be some issues specifically? Well, Nancy that- Pelosi, uh, yeah. a clear uh, advocate of certain things that are contrary to our own faith tradition. And I would also say that our Secretary of Sibelius, Secretary Sibelius. Health and Human Services? Yes, that's it. And uh, in total conflict Mm. with her faith tradition. Sure. And and they seem to to get away with it with impunity. I'm not sure why uh, their uh, faith traditions or parishes do not respond. And it's a reproach to the church. It look, makes the mm-hmm. church look weak and ineffective in its uh, teaching and discipline. And uh, to have politicians who are prominent in the public sphere flouting, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, the law of God. Yeah. I wonder if some churches worry or fear that if they discipline, it will reduce their membership. And it probably would in in some cases, Maybe that would but be it's good. well worth it. You know, well, <laughs> they call that a Scottish revival, right? <laughs> uh, but, is but, that what you call it? <laughs> but it, you know, it really is something that you have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a matter of principle, and if it's a matter of you're going to lose some membership here or there, well, what's that saying? You can be bought. It may yes. very well uh, decrease the church's power with respect to the world, but it certainly increases its power and authority with respect to heaven. That's right. And that's what we want. We want the Holy Spirit to bless our work. Today we're talking about church discipline here on A Plain Answer. Stay with us. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program.
And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. Interesting discussion today. It's dealing with church discipline. And uh, discipline takes place because of various sins, and the church has to deal with it. Let me ask you this, pastors. Um, There's different kinds of sins. Some are very personal. Uh, They are not known by the church, not necessarily directly affecting the church. Uh, Let's say one brother offends another. How are those sins uh, supposed to be handled within this context of discipline? I think in that sense, you keep the thing private. You don't bring it out to the fore. You have just private conversations with the individuals, and you deal in a private manner. There's no no reason to bring it out into public. Mm-hmm. If it is a private sin, uh, the first the first order of discipline is self-discipline. Yeah. We judge and discipline ourselves, and with respect to, for instance, the Lord's Supper, that's why many churches are going to an every Sunday administration of the Lord's sure. Supper because it is the focal point of discipline in the church, mm-hmm. and it is a reminder that when the table is fenced that you should not come if you have unrepentant sins in your yeah. life, but no one may know that but you. But then yes. it's your obligation mm-hmm. uh, to judge yourself and to discern the Lord's body mm-hmm. and to to uh, seek forgiveness and repentance in your life. So these more personal sins where the whole church doesn't know about it, and yet only one or two know about it, um, you follow the admonition. Where is that given, Mark? Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. I have it here mm-hmm. yeah. before me. It's uh, Matthew 18, verses 15, down through uh, to verse 20. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives you, if you will... An order to follow with mm-hmm. respect to sins uh, between – now, this this rises from a purely private sin to a sin between two people. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it says, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. Mm. And if he listens to you, you won your brother over. But if he will not listen, uh, take one or two along, and so – that very matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You can mm-hmm. see that sin is a very important matter to deal with in the body of yes. Christ. But the first step is on a private level. The second is to to encourage others to, to uh, enable the person to see their sins and to repent. Yeah, yeah I, you know, one of the things that I think is really important about that with the Matthew 18 is to go individually it's not talking about the pastor. It's not talking about the elders yeah. in the church at this point. It's talking about the average person who's sitting in the pew. It is. And sometimes you get people that come and say, well, this person's doing this and that. You ought to do something. And actually, no. You are the one knowledgeable of that <laughs> sin. You need to go right. first. And if nothing happens, then let's bring in somebody else, and Mm -hmm. if nothing else happens there, then you bring in the church. Mm -hmm. And notice the church really is brought in at the end. At the end. Not the beginning. Exactly. It's important for, uh, for, I think, all of us to realize that problems are solved best at the lowest level. Lowest level. level. Yeah. And when you kick it up a little bit, it gets more complicated just by the fact that you've kicked it up. Yeah. 
Uh, and we know, uh, Mark, when things get to Presbytery, uh, they become more complicated. <laughs> That's <they>? right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, if it's not solved by the local church, then when it gets to Presbytery, it gets complicated. And, of course, if it ever goes to General Assembly, That's really complicated. Uh, it's really complicated. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's talk about um, a different kind of discipline that's taking place because there was a a well-known sin, if you will, a sin that affected others in the body and has infected the church, and something needs to be done. So this is a different kind of uh, discipline where the church now has to deal with, let's say, an erring brother. Yeah. Uh, There again, what you have to do initially is the person who knows about that sin has to know, even though it may be kind of a public sin, for example, discipline cases, and they've been moral cases where, you know, a person is living with uh, another person and they're not married. Now, Mm -hmm. is is there a sin that's not a moral problem? (laughs) They're all moral. (laughs) Well, I'm saying moral as opposed to (laughs) theological. And yes. a, a teaching gotcha. problem as, yes. a, as opposed to a heresy. Okay. You know, uh, so this is what, yeah, they are all moral problems. That's true. At any rate, in, in that case, obviously it's public. People know, you know, the woman is pregnant and people realize that things are, are wrong. Well, of course, the first thing you do is the people that knew about it first should have been mm-hmm. there. Then it comes to the church because the mm-hmm. one individual was a member of the church. And when no response was given there, then, of course, you you bring it to the elders. Mm-hmm. You have a classical text and there classical, that you've shared with me before. Right. That's, of course, 1 Corinthians 5. You bring it to the elders and... And then what do you do if that person doesn't repent? Well, at that point, we have what we call excommunication. First Corinthians 5, you excommunicate the person, meaning that the church has no dealings with it. Now, hmm. in this case, the, the past, person was not repentant. They're not repentant. It was quite an interesting, the, the one meeting that we had with them is total agreement. It was wrong. Mm-hmm. The Again, Seeking the best for this one, one of the elders saying, leave today. I've got a room in my house you can move into. Ah, yes. And uh, he was just about ready to do it, and uh, the woman he was living with blew up Uh at him, and he decided to stick with her. So there was no response, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then we tried to talk with him again. He would not even talk with us. So at that point... We had no choice because there was no repentance, and we had to excommunicate. Well, what does that mean? Well, here it is in 1 Corinthians 5. I wrote you, starting at verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy or swindlers Mm -hmm. or idolaters. Since then you would need go out of the world. But I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Mm-hmm. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside 
purge the evil person from among you. And so that's what happened. In practical terms, what happens? You go before the congregation and you call a congregational meeting and you tell them of the excommunication. Mm -hmm. And then you lay down kind of rules. It means that you no longer socialize, if you will, with that person. Now, of course, if it's a family member, that's probably a different situation. But you don't socialize under normal circumstances. You know, if they want to get together and say, let's have coffee because, you know, that's what we do, you say no. But if they say, let's get coffee because I want to talk to you about my spiritual condition, then you say yes. That's a complicated uh, area there. I know in the Amish country they practice shunning. Shunning, Mm -hmm. But we're not quite structured that way in modern society and maybe not exactly like they were in the early church. So how you do this would be a matter of wisdom, how you go about separating what is ecclesiastical disfellowship as opposed to family or community fellowship. Uh, It's probably much more in the context to be understood in the ecclesiastical sense, maybe the Lord's Supper or the the, uh, fellowship supper of the church, per se, things like that. Uh, You know, one of the questions, though, that that comes to mind in the modern world uh, is – what right do you have to exercise discipline right. over me? In fact, a number of years ago, starting in Oklahoma, there were a number of lawsuits that uh, uh, church sessions, for instance, councils or ministers or, or priests have, have had um, lawsuits brought against them right. for the exercise of church discipline. And mm-hmm. for you listeners out there, There is uh, a mandate in Scripture for the church, if you will, to discipline itself, just as a person has a responsibility to discipline uh, him or herself. The church also has a responsibility to discipline itself, and in Matthew chapter 16, we find that this is called one of the keys, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of the keys, Mm -hmm. that wonderful passage of Peter's confession of Christ it appears in that area there, and um, after Peter confesses Jesus, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Mm -hmm. The rabbis had a function in the synagogue of binding and loosing in their tradition. And and Jesus demonstrates here that the church also Mm -hmm. has that authority to discipline its own. And no doubt the expectation is from there on that the church will be a unique and holy community that disciplines itself mm-hmm. yeah. so that's called the power of the keys the power right. of the keys mm-hmm. and the church has it now i know the roman catholic church interprets this that this is through peter only but sure. in other passages in the new testament it's clear that all the apostles had the authority of the keys it's the church's right. power uh in general and um, mm-hmm. and down through the centuries the churches uh, have exercised that and it has uh 
prove to be a benefit to the church. It makes a clear distinction between the church and the world, and people need that unambiguous understanding of what the church is as opposed to the world. So there's this spiritual jurisdiction that is uniquely held by the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, her rulers, Mm. her her elders, And furthermore, I would add this, that you mentioned that. Most people interpret the actions of the church as being punishments. Mm. The church has no power to punish. What the church has is the power to discipline, and that is to seek a remedy and correction in the person's life. Mm. But we don't have the power of punishment. That's left up to God alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the power to discipline and to remedy a matter in the church uh, is the power of the keys. Well, I'm just looking at the clock here. We don't have too much more time, but let me ask you this question. Suppose you have a church where there is a pastor who is rather a tyrant, and he feels that he wants to um, discipline, but uh, he's kind of the head boss, and he's not answerable to anyone. How how is a congregation supposed to handle that? Well, this is a problem with the congregation. There, I I would say you're laughing. Well, I would say it's their polity's all wrong. He should never have that kind of their power. what is wrong? Their polity, the polity. way the, the government. government of their church is wrong. They mm-hmm. should have elders, uh, so he is accountable. No pastor should be standing up totally unaccountable. So that's and, the beauty of having elders. And it's the beauty of having yeah. elders is the beauty of following right. uh, the uh, organization of the church as it's shown in, in Timothy and Titus. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a, if you will, a jurisdiction that is exercised uh, in council or session. Mm-hmm. It is not a private, even yeah. with an ecclesiastic, it is not a private yeah. Uh, yeah. power. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. power of the church yeah. uh, given to the church to be exercised by its officers. Mm -hmm. Well, today we're talking about church discipline, and it can be a sensitive subject. I guess the last question I would have is for a conscientious pastor and elder uh, to go through a discipline case uh, certainly must be grueling, tiring, and and draining. Um, How do you guys manage which... To, to deal with that, how do you how do you keep yourselves? All right, I guess it's the Lord that keeps you keeps you going. And well, well, uh, the, the way that I think you, uh, you should have very few actually uh, oh, cases at yes. the level where mm-hmm. the whole church council supposedly is involved, uh, because you have different remedies up till that. There is yeah. admonishment, right. uh, rebuke. You could suspend, a session could, and so forth, and those those matters. Excommunication is the real problem when you're actually mm-hmm. putting someone outside uh, right. the church. Uh, but I would say this, that a good teaching church is already practicing the first line of discipline, just like in the yeah. home, the family. Right. right. And therefore, you will have, I think, if you're a good, sound teaching church, you will have few discipline cases at the other end because if you're having many, there's something wrong. Something is right. amiss. Yeah. Right. People, people aren't being educated. They're not understanding. Or, uh, yes, you're right. Something is wrong. Their love of Christ <laughs> is waning terribly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would say this: the whole purpose of church discipline, though, we need to exercise with respect to those politicians who are making laws and are in our Good churches. Point. Yeah. We need to exercise churches. They they have no right. 
<laughs> uh, to be a member of the Church of Christ and support policies which are against the commandments of God. And um, not to leave this up to guesswork, what would be a couple of policies that are against, clearly, the commands of God? Well, I know Mark would agree with this, yeah. but uh, obviously uh, I, I can't imagine being anti-life. Right. Right. I can't imagine that. Uh, God forbids the first, murder. The sixth commandment, thou shalt yeah. not kill. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. here, uh, that that should be a, truly a, a yeah. subject. And also, uh, uh, same-sex marriage. Oh, yeah. yes, um, yes. It, it is, in, in many respects, not only a divine revelation of what marriage is, but it's enshrined in nature. It's it natural. Right. So, therefore, we should discipline our politicians if they refuse to take what I would call a common-sense approach, a common understanding supported by Scripture – about those two issues, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well when, when a politician takes a stance other on the opposite side, if you will, first in terms of abortion, it's a denial of the image of God mm-hmm. in the infant, uh, which is, I think, a horrendous thing. Yeah. And uh, in same-sex marriage, uh, it's a denial of God's institution. Of, some of things marriage. are not up for debate, are they, Mark? Uh, no. <laughs> No, and especially if you're in in the church. Yeah. And if you're going to stand up and say, I'm going to be a member of the church and then spit in the face of institutions which God has uh, ordained, ordained yeah. you know, to me, that's a kind of schizophrenia that's just yeah. no good. Well, I'm looking at the clock. I see we're out of time already for today's discussion. It's been on church discipline. If you have a question for either of these fine pastors, we would invite you to email us. Our address is ministry at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. This entire episode is up on our website. Check it out. That's located at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And a reminder to please join us again next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. I love thy church, O God. Her walls before It's a place of rest Where the saints shall be blessed I love thy church Oh God I love thy church Oh Yeah.